As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Back with another edition of the Leaf Report podcast. Um, I forget how to do this. <laughs> I actually don't remember. The, the podcast is brought we just, to you. We just talk. That's we all. We just talk. That's yeah. all we do. So the podcast is brought to you by Babsocks. Um, check out babsocks.ca. I drove by the store the other day. It was looking good. It wasn't open all summer. People were very upset that... I did drive by it. But we, yeah. we were... Have you been to it? Have you been inside? I haven't been inside, actually. It's like... They set up like boards, like yeah, hockey boards. Yeah, no, it was, but they closed it for the summer and they didn't tell anybody and it's not on the website. So I had some angry people saying that we were sending them there and then it wasn't open. Just I order online. Yeah. The website's really easy. Email Jake at babsocks.ca and tell them to open the store so you can go there. Yeah. But we're actually, we're doing a subscriber party for The Athletic on September 27th. Babsocks are making us an athletic sock, which is going to be an, the athletic branded sock. So, and now Jonas actually works for The Athletic, which is weird. Yeah, it is weird. We're co-workers. This has never happened before. We don't know how to, I don't know. Be co-workers. It's only been a few days. Yep. Well, so let's talk about the Leafs. Um, Good idea. Since it is the Leaf Report podcast. Um, I think we want to go through kind of the competition for jobs. There's not a lot of jobs open. Like, there's... I always find it found it funny, like covering the team over the years, that one of the first questions the coach would get at training camp is, "How many jobs are open?" Like, mm-hmm. like that is a weird question. Well, when the real answer is like one or whatever, right? Two, and, and now this year it's probably like four, five. You think it's that many? Well, you've got one on D. What? No, it's well. I guess yeah. I guess if you're counting that Marinchin and they're not going to just they're just going to be on the team. Yeah, I don't know. You never know. Um, I so, guess if Merchant's brutal and the other guys are really good, they could trade him or something. I guess it's conceivable. Wave them. And then two two forwards, maybe one forward, depending on how many D they keep. I th- 12. Well, and the one thing that you can't account for is injuries. Right. Someone's going to get hurt. Right. So. Or they'll pretend someone's hurt, like last year. Who's now a, uh, works for the team? No, I meant Josh Lebo. Oh, yeah. The funny thing with that guy, and we'll talk about him, like, you look at his numbers just as an NHL player, they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, the, the I think he played 12 games last year. 13. He, he, he was 10 points. Excellent. He was... 
I had never seen him play like that. I'd never seen him play like that with the Marlies or anything. Well, the big difference was he was playing with Kadri. Like, suddenly, instead of playing Which with... Which is like his their... skating was better. True. Like, he's... His, the knock on him is he's been slow. And yeah, just, that's why I never thought he was going to be an NHL player. It just he looked like slow. he was, like... He was a real presence in the offensive zone with... It just seemed like he was on the puck a lot in those games. But I'm just saying, like, it helps when instead of playing with, like, Byron Fraze, you're playing with Kadri. Right. And, and Connor Brown or whoever. And I think the other thing, too, is that he came in... When did he start playing? When was it? December or something like that? He hadn't played in a long time. He wasn't worn down. All he had been doing was working out. And they were doing crazy... Like, they were just, like, beating the crap out of him in terms of doing the conditioning drills for months. Like, they were just wearing him into the ground. And he just... He just... Aided. I, I like Josh Levo. I think that there's like I like his personality and whatever. He's just like all all this adversity. I'll just work even harder. And he did it. And then he. I think that maybe he was super fresh. And you throw him in like 25 games in when everyone else is beaten down. And he just looked like he stood out in those games. But one thing I think that he's gonna have trouble with is, and this is just my recollection. There was a point when he got hurt, and yeah, I think Mike Babcock. I remember him saying something semi-critical about like he keeps getting hurt, right? Something along those lines. And I find with Babcock, when you kind of build yourself a first impression of something, I think it's hard to get it away. Yeah. We've talked about we talked about this last year. Babcock, the way he deals with guys that are hurt is very strange. And and that That's was a coach's something... thing. Like you shouldn't yeah. be hurt. You should be back sooner. And like we saw with Carrado, we saw with Holland, like guys like that. Once he has kind of what he thinks of you, it's hard to break it. Right. And he made. I just remember the first year he made Dan Winnick push through that injury and play through it, and it was, and he was like a much diminished player. And then, I, I, like I, and then do you remember Dan Winnick came back and said he he came back too, like he got hurt again, and then he came back and said, you know, I came back too soon. Well, you could tell his skating looked weird. He had like a hitch in his stride, so he was slower. And one of the things that Dan Winnick's really good at is getting in on the forecheck and being a disruptive force. So it's like. I just don't understand the push to make these guys come back too fast because you're getting like 80% of the player you're supposed to get and like it yeah. makes, makes no sense. Try to put yourself though in a coach's frame of mind where they are so wired all the time trying to win each game and a key guy they think is, is yeah. taking too long. I get it. Wired's a good word for Babcock because I think that... Well, I, like I just thought like imagine being a coach. Like it's all... It's ridiculously all-consuming. Yeah. So... Anyway, that we've already started talking about the forwards. So let's well, Levo's a big one, right? I think people want to see him get a chance, but where does he get a chance on this team? Well, so the guys that would be in competition for the 13th slash 14th spot, and that can change depending on injuries, Levo, Eric Fair, Kasperi Kapanen, Nikita Soshnikov. Do you want to cl- include anybody else? Well, currently, Soshnikov's still hurt. Okay. We'll see if he's on the... Uh, if he fails his physical tomorrow or what happens, but... So who else? Is there anyone else? Andreas Johnson, Carl Grundstrom. I like I think those guys are just like way long shots, but you never know. I know that in the AHL people think that Andreas Johnson can play in the NHL. So I mean I think he's ahead of Reichel. He might even be ahead of Soshnikov now, it's hard to say. Soshnikov plays I think three more NHL games and then he's waiver eligible, so if I don't know. Soshnikov might be in the minors for a bit here if he is healthy. Well, so part of it, obviously, is the waiver thing. Um, You've got Kapanen with the Leafs and with the Marlies. Yeah, because I, I need to see yeah. where he fits in both puzzles. I, I think it comes down to, for the two extra forward spots, Levo, Fair. I think Fair is one of them. Like He's just an easy guy just to keep as your extra forward who sits in the press box. Right, unless they need the cap space, but I don't think that they do. Yeah, if that makes sense. But the You're problem... Right. the Fair pro- can play all forward positions. And right, and he's just... Can kill penalties. But the problem is, like, with Levo and with... They have to keep Levo because yeah. they're not going to lose They him. don't want to... I mean, maybe they trade him. So, yeah. So that's 13. So then Fair's 14. So there's no spot. Like, I don't know how Kasperi Kapanen gets on the team unless there's injuries. Well, like, say even if someone does get hurt, is Kapanen the guy that comes right into the lineup? Like, they, I guess so. I wonder if what they can do with Kapanen is that he's with the Marlies. If there's an injury, he's in the top nine forwards. Does that make sense? Like, that makes sense. So he's not a fourth liner. He's not an, ex- an extra. He can just bounce back and forth. So whenever there's an injury, he's in the top nine. And when there's not, that'll be super frustrating for, for Levo, though, if there's a guy that's in the Marlies and then bouncing above him. And Well, and this, this to me, like, that's why I couldn't. I wrote about Kapanen for my first story for The Athletic. I couldn't, like, you can't ignore Matt Martin's place mm-hmm. and kind of the needlessness of that contract. 
Well, they, they and, just really don't need him, and it, it kind of bringing Marlo it. in makes it much more complicated too. But Marlo right? at least is like you can argue for his attributes. I can't really make a case that that Martin should be in the lineup besides like all the stuff, the intangibles that they think he brings. Well, and and the fourth line is going to be a, a drag on this team. It's not going to be a very right. effective fourth line. You know, it's it's not as good of the fourth line as they had in the last twenty games of last season. Right. And not a line that, that's going to be able to give you probably all that much offensively. Like, people will say, like, Matt Martin's your 12th forward, and, and we're talking about 12th forward. But, like, it matters. Matt Martin had nine points last year. He's, def- he's definitely not a guy you can move higher in the lineup. No. And, and, and more you can't move higher in the lineup. Komarov, you can. Center could be a problem if they have to run into injuries there. Yeah. Since that's what I, unless you put Marlowe at center. You could. Or Nylander. You could. But so, like, Kapanen, I think, is an interesting one because, like, your point is well made. Like, if he's going to be on the team, he needs to probably be in your top Top nine. nine. yeah. But this gets to the other potential way a roster spot opens is a trade. Right. Can you envision that happening during training camp, or do you think that this... The ship has sailed. It's possible. Did you see Marc Antoine Godin for the Montreal site wrote about how the Habs have 8.4 million in cap space and that everyone's anticipating that the Habs are going to make a trade or whatever. So he went back and he looked at how many trades have actually happened during training camp in the last like five or six years. And there's like been like hardly any. Like Because it's a weird time to trade. People don't make trades in September. Like it's just, I think there were only like four, three or four in the last six years or something. Like it's just not, Mm -hmm. and they weren't like impactful trades. So the Habs have 8.4 million, but nothing to spend it on. The Leafs have too many forwards, but... How many teams are looking for another winger? How many teams are going to make a deal of consequence for a winger? I mean, the thing they could do is they could move a Levo for a third or a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Like they, they did that with Joel Colburn that one year. They could do something like that. The problem when you do that is then somebody gets hurt and then suddenly you actually need that guy. Right. And the thing is, like with Van Riemsdyk is the interesting one. Actually, there's two interesting ones. But Van Riemsdyk, is a team really going to give you something that's going to make you want to do it? At this point, like you know what I mean, like if the Leafs are doing it, it has to be for something that that's why the trade him and hurts your chances. That's why JVR for Hamannick, if when they discussed that at the draft with the Islanders, would have made some sense because you're, yeah, that would have made all kinds of sense. I don't know what you move a JVR for right now that fills a hole that helps you. No team is giving you a top four defenseman for James Van Riemsdyk on an expiring contract. Like who would do that? Yeah. I did like it. Does it, seem like there's I don't the guy who and you brought this up like just when we were texting back and forth about what's going on. The guy who makes more sense to trade is Komarov. Right. Who had a good year last year. Who's a good player. Yeah. But He's like, very good defensively. Like he was one of the reasons that shutdown line with Kadri did well. You look at his defensive results in terms of all those analytics and Komarov scores very very high. But he's replaceable. Like you could plug Kapanen or someone in like that who can Maybe can't give you the defensive side that at this point, but do you think there's any chance they move Hyman off of Matthews' line? Because then that opens a whole bunch more possibilities. Hyman would make sense on a fourth line, but I don't think they're going to do it. This is what I was playing with, like ahead of training camp. Like both you and I did stories about things we're looking for at camp. You did more kind of the competition. I kind of did some things that I'm hoping to learn. I don't like. I, I was trying to figure out where Patrick Marlowe fits. The problem is like the reverberations of moving guys around. So let's say you put Marlowe with uh, Matthews, Matthews, which is right? what a lot of people have been talking about ever since Marlowe signed. Always going to play with Matthews. I don't know. Okay, so let's say why they think that. Let's say you do that. So then that means you drop Hyman to the fourth line and put Komarov with Kadri. That's fine. That's good. Well, that's what he did a lot. That's where he but I just year. I just don't think that's going to happen to start. Like the line was successful. Like as much as people want to rag on Zach Hyman, and there's some fair. Criticisms, the line worked. And in the playoffs, it was it was excellent. dominant. Yeah, the last like 20, 30 games of the season, Matthews and Nylander were two of the best even strength players in the NHL. They right. were they were like top twenty. Scoring. You had a story on that, like how much they, they were, were taking control of the series, right? They so, were really, really good. So tell so, me why he's going to change that. Add on to the fact that we know that he is very fond of Zach Hyman. I wonder too if like like. You put Komarov on that fourth line with Dominic Moore and Matt Martin. When Komarov... Komarov is better when he's playing with good players. Mm-hmm. That year he played with Kadri and JVR was his best season. He went to the All-Star game and 
produced a lot. But I remember, like, when you play him with weaker players, which they did at times under Carlisle, when they had him on the fourth line, he's just not that effective. You know, like, it's hard to forecheck when you're not often in the offensive zone, and he's a good forechecker. Well, and it's hard to grind and kind of right. keep the play alive you when you're puck. playing with Matt Martin and right. Dominic Moore, not as skilled. Right. So, but, so the issue that I kind of came to was, like, okay, so let's say you're not playing him with Matthews. I'm talking about Marlowe. So there's two other spots. You can play him with Kadri or you can play him with Bozak. I think the only conceivable option is to play him with Kadri because if you play him with Bozak, suddenly you're moving Van Riemsdyk to play with Kadri. Which is the shutdown. Which is a shutdown line. line. That doesn't make any sense for James Van Riemsdyk. Unless Matthews is their shutdown line this year. But I don't know why he would change anything because it's going to be really, really interesting. I don't know what they do. There's a logjam there on the left side. And the right side. They have a lot of good wingers. That's just when you have a lot of good players. They have a lot of really good wingers. They don't have a lot of really good anything else's. They have two good centers. And one solid center in Bozak. And Dominic Moore is fine as a fourth-line guy. Fine-ish. I don't know. Like Your your point about the center ice depth is, is interesting because... Imagine being a guy like Miro Altonen who signs to like to have a chance to play in the NHL. and like You've got him as like the fourth line center of the Marlies. Yeah, the centers, that, they're not ranked that properly. I just wanted to get them in there. Freddie the Goat was on the ice, by the way. I saw him at one of the informal skates. That was a surprise. It's good. Anyway. It's good. Hopefully he's all right. Well, yeah, actually that's a guy that I kind of forgot about. I mean, he can be a guy that if can come in on the fourth spot if they need him to. So is there anything else here you think we should pour over? So, like, we think Levo's not going anywhere because, like, you don't protect him in the expansion draft just to lose him on waivers. Uh, fair, I could see them trying to send him down. Like, if, if yeah. Yeah. that's conceivable. Would save them some cap. I don't dollars. think, unless, like, Kapanen, if he comes in and has, like, some kind of training camp and kind of forces the issue, then it gets interesting. Yeah. But I really think the Matt Martin thing is going to be more of a topic this this season because they're going to get good, and they're going to get to a point where they shouldn't be dressing him. I don't know. Like, do you think he, I'm barking he, up a wrong tree? Am I wrong? No, no, to... I, no, you're right. I just, I'm just tired of talking about it. I mean, like, Matt Martin's been playing for the team for two years. He's played, no, one played, year. every, played every... It's been one year. He played oh, yeah, all 82 right. games. You're right. You're right. Maybe like I think feels like we've been talking about it for two years. <laughs> we have well, and they're not they're they're not even a good team yet. But I think you made the point. Maybe they just get to a point where he just becomes a part time player, and maybe that's fine. I don't know. Like then he's around the room. He gives you all that stuff that they. In a way, want. it's almost good if it comes to a head this season because maybe they look at moving him after. I mean, you probably could trade him somewhere. You two more at, years, two and a half. Yeah. You Pittsburgh wanted Ryan Reeves. I mean, there's always going to be teams that want guys like that. Are we? Do you think we're mistaken in, in like not? Do Martin, we think we're undervaluing some of the stuff Martin that he brings? Martin looked intangibly? a lot better with Boyle and Kapanen. He looked a lot more useful. It's the same thing as I'm saying with Komarov, and like they've built this fourth line now with Martin Moore Komarov. That's not going to look very impressive. Yeah, but Boyle and Kapanen, that line, that, I thought that line played really well, and I think Martin's possession went up over fifty yeah, percent when he was playing with those guys. But, the, like, it, it's just, I guess the issue is it, it's just so unnecessary because every year there's a Dan Winnick who doesn't have a job that you can just sign and plug into that fourth line spot and cost you nothing. Right. So. I don't think we are missing anything. No. Well, because people would, like, the team would argue, if we had Mike Babcock here, he would argue, you guys are not focusing on what he gives us in the room, the intimidation factor he provides, you know, when you're going against opponents, uh, protects the young players if stuff comes up. Are we undervaluing that at all? Maybe we are. I just don't know how that can make up for the, the gap of talent. So. I'm okay with that if that line's not a liability. I just see that the way that the four line is right now is going to be a liability. And when you have good players who now can't right. play because of it. Right. Right. So let's look at the D. Um, so we know how the pairings are going to be, at least the top two pairings. Hainsey with Riley, whomever on the right or left. Do we know yet who's going to play the right or left? It sounds like they want Riley to play on his his dominant side. So left? Okay. And Hainsey played right side. Like, they're not... I don't if, know. They're, if, they're still trying to turn Riley into, like, a number one defenseman. Well, right? so, so we're going to get to that because we need to talk about that. But the other pairing, Gardner, Zaitsev. And then we don't know what the third pairing is going to look like. Carrick you, and somebody. For sure Carrick. Because he's a right shot. Yeah, oh, Andrew Campbell's not on the team anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't updated some of this. Oh, man. 
This is sloppy. There's some sloppiness here. You gotta move Vinny Loverd up there. Anyway. But he, oh yeah, Victor, Victor Love. Man, He's he, gone. I haven't updated the Marley's uh, part about this. I thought we were working off this for the podcast, and it's a total gong show here. Well, sorry, my Marley's depth chart isn't up to snuff. Well, because I've been looking at this. <laughs> I've been doing my homework on all this. Very happy. But the reason that Connor Carrick is on the team is that there's, in addition to he's got some upside, there's no competition for him on the right side. Left side, Marinchin, Callie Rosen from the Swedish Hockey League, Andreas Borgman, Travis Dermott. That's probably about it. So there's really one spot. Unless like something happens where they decide they're done with Marinchin, they put him on waivers and that's that, right? Yep. I think Marinchin makes sense as a seven guy that you bring in once in a I while. do too. Well, the thing is, like, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Like, you don't Borgman want... is younger than Rosen, right? Yes. Or no, Borgman's... Borgman's the younger one, yeah. He won Rookie of the Year in the Swedish Hockey League. So you don't want to bring Borgman in to be your seventh defenseman and not play? No, 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 no. Borgman's going to be with the Marlies. I'm almost convinced. So not, then that not, means... Unless he's way better than I've has been advertised. So that means the competition for the seven or six or whatever you want to call it six. is between Dermot... And Borgman and Rosen, and that's it. I would say so. Didn't Lamorello in an interview mention Nielsen's name in there? But I don't think that that's realistic. I don't think yet. So who would you bet on? I think Dermot's going to get it. I mean, I, I'm like 80% sure that Dermot's going to make the team and be in that role. So it makes sense to have... So then your third pair would be Dermot and Carrick, and your seven would be Marincin? Yes. That would be a small third pair, but like very... They'd be Dermot's both... not ri- that small. He's tough. Yeah, no, no. He's and strong. Kate, he's he he's small. Connor Carrick's like a little feisty yeah. too. So it'd be like a feisty pair that can move the puck and skate. Actually, I never ended up using it, but Brooks Light told me that Carrick was one of the strongest guys on the Capitals when he was there. Like well, they, he's, he's like five ten, but he's like he's like a little fire hydrant kid. Yeah, they, he said he could look. Brooks Light said that Carrick could lift outlift like a lot of veteran guys. I could see that. So you would bet Dermot's Dermot? like that too. Like Dermot's a really really strong. Really strong in his skates, mm-hmm. fast. I think that would be a really good third pair. I think it'd be a really interesting third pair. I think you could play it more than like the like fourteen minutes or whatever. I I like the Leafs defense better this year than last year. I think it's going to be an upgrade. And I think what people forget is that you look at who played the tough minutes last year. Zaitsev had almost all of them on the right side mm-hmm. because there was nobody else. But then then the other guys that were getting minutes uh, against elite competition were Hunwick, Polak. Um, who well, I'm forgetting on the right side. Oh, I guess that's it because Carrick and Zaitsev were still there. But like, I think if you get a better third pair with Dermot and Carrick, assuming that they can they can handle those minutes, I think that's going to help the blue line. Well, let's contrast the third pairs. Last year, for the most part, third pair was Hunwick and Polak. This year, if we're projecting, let's say it's Dermot and Carrick, there's a lot more like dynamic ability there with right. those guys than with. Maybe higher Polak. risk, higher reward a little bit. Sure, but, but like guys you could just play in offensive situations. and It's almost like if it works, you have much higher upside with that sure. than you would with, yeah. Okay, so this is what I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. What do you think they do with top lines? Like, Do you think because they bring Hainsey in, because of what we know, what they've tried to do with Morgan Riley, that that's going to be their go-to matchup line? Or do you think they'll look at like... The mild success that Gardner and Zaitsev have had and say those are our guys. I would be surprised if, in fact, I know the organization realizes that Gardner had success against top competition last year. I mean, you and I know that. Mm-hmm. You look at that Puck IQ site, you can break it down into elite competition. He does well. Gardner had more success against top competition than Riley did. And I know that that was a big debate last year. And To be fair, the, the, the difference in minutes probably isn't even... It was pretty close last year. Well, because Gardner ended up taking a lot at the end but of the year. But that was like the Okay. I think it was closer than you would have. But I guess my point is, like, Gardner was playing top lines for, like, the last month. Yes. Riley had played it the rest of the year. Right. I think that the thing that, like, just going through the numbers, and we saw it last year, is maybe Zaitsev was kind of the the weak link, and that was maybe why it didn't work with Riley. Well, I mean, it's pretty remarkable that Zaitsev was able to come over and do what he did last year, and it's almost... They had to ask guys to do too much last year because they just didn't have a good enough team. So mm-hmm. I think Zaitsev was one of those guys. I look at what they have. I think Gardner is what he is. I, I don't think we're going to see him get a lot better. But I think that Ryan... He's really good. But yeah, no, he is good. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah. we know what Hainsey is. We know what Gardner is. We know what Marincin probably is. I mean, maybe we don't. We don't. 
but like I think Riley can get better. I think Zaitsev can be better than last year, and I think Carrick can get better. And I think Dermot can be a better piece than a Polak or a Hunwick last year. Well, in the best case scenario, in the best case scenario, I think this D is a little bit better than what they had last year. Do you think Hainsey is better, worse, or the same as Hunwick? I think he's a little bit better than Hunwick. I think so too. He's a lot different. He's gonna have. He's gonna look slow, and he's not gonna be great with the puck. What I noticed with him with Pittsburgh a lot was he would often look to his D partner to outlet the puck to as fast as he could, and then that guy skates the puck out. And but that makes perfect sense when yeah. you're playing with Riley because yeah. that's exactly what he does well. So Hainsey's not going to... Like the advanced stats guys look at like all the zone exits and zone entries and all that stuff. Hainsey does not look very good on that stuff because that's not what he does well. But his, on the PK, he's really good, mm-hmm. those kind of things. I mean, he's he's kind of like an improved Polak or an improved Hainsey, just, just a little bit, like not a ton. The wild card is that Hainsey's 36 years old, so... Well, and the th- the three guys they brought in primarily are, I think they're all 36. Actually, Marlowe just turned 37. No, no, no. I think he's 38 this fall. Is he 38? Yeah. Was, he just September. had a birthday. So did he... Are you sure? No, I think he turned 37. We can double check this. We have this thing called no. the internet. Actually, I have his HockeyDB page up. I think you're wrong. 37. You're wrong. Actually, no. Wait. Is his birthday... What day is today? Oh, his birthday's in two days. He turns 38 in two days. I knew, I know he's going to be 38. Two days from when we're recording. I wrote that about a hundred times there in July when they got him. Okay, so he's going to be thirty-eight. Anyway, he's going to be one of like the five oldest players in the NHL in an NHL that doesn't have a lot of old players. That's interesting. If I mean, he's already slowed down. So if that if that's going to continue, then that becomes a problem. It could become a problem this season. I think it's just hard to know with guys like that, like what they're going to do. I think because he can skate, at least it's. Seems like it would be less of a problem. Well, where we're talking about putting Marlowe, we're back on the forwards again here. Where we're talking about Marlowe putting him is with Kadri and Brown on a shutdown line. If he can still skate well and he's still good enough defensively to fill that spot, then that's fine. I mean, it's... Yeah. Because you're paying... Like, the thing that you have to remember is they're paying the other guys nothing. Matthews is worth 10 right now. And you're paying him nothing. Neander's worth... Well, they had to pay him 3.9 or whatever because he hit all his bonuses. Right, but like Neander's worth 8 and what are you, you're paying him the same ballpark. You know what I mean? Right, Marner, so like, yeah. Go down the list. Go down the list. Brown is undervalued like at what they're paying him even now. I know who you're missing on the Marlies. Lilgren. He's down here. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> I haven't even updated my calendar. There's been a lot to, to go over. Um, so we did... Let's talk a little bit about Marincin more because I think it's weird. He's like a weird player because like you see stretches where like you think he could be competent and be helpful. He's a good penalty killer. He's long. And then it seems like it's entirely tied to confidence sometimes. He just looks like he doesn't think he should be in the NHL. Babcock said that last year, right, that he's just not that confident. I don't know. He's – I don't know. I've kind of soured on Marincin. I just – I just – I didn't like the way he played in the playoffs last year. It's understandable. It's interesting, though, like his possession and all that stuff is still relatively strong. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't give him another shot. I'm just saying I can see why they're. I can see why he's their seven. And If he's their seven, I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, Leaf Report is brought to you by Bab Sox. I think I should mention that. Again. I'm not wearing Bab Sox today. Because uh, we're coming out of summer. I think you still got. Oh, you don't wear sandals like I do. Um, no, goalies. Oh, I wear sandals. <laughs> goalies. I thought it was going to be cold today. It's like 27 degrees or something ridiculous. Beautiful. Toronto is great. This is going to be like the warmest week of the whole summer. And it's not even, I don't even, is it, it's not even going to be summer soon. Yeah. Okay, so goaltenders. Um, you're going to have to wish uh, Patrick Marlowe a happy birthday in the scrum, I think. Yeah, that's likely. Someone's going to do it. someone. Someone's going to do it. Bet. Um, goalies. You think that there's an outside chance that. There's more of a competition here than is obvious. Why? Because I think Garrett Sparks is a better goalie, and I think the organization knows that he has potential. I was looking at it. Garrett Sparks' career save percentage in the AHL is 9.22, and McElhaney, who has played quite a bit in the AHL, is 9.15, which is a big gap. It's not nothing. Just look at McElhaney's NHL numbers, even. Right. They're not good. Last four years, he's at 9.09, I think, which is not, like, it's not like Jonas Gustafsson. It's not Toscala. It's not, like, it's, I just, I know Columbus was not, 
they it, were they were Columbus was willing, was a really good team and they were willing to roll their dice on their young guys as opposed because they just didn't think McElhaney could get it done. They just they I don't think Columbus thought he was super reliable and I can see why because his style is all over the place. Well, and that's like if you talk about like what could go wrong this year, Anderson gets hurt. Yeah, they would have to trade for a D, a goalie, a goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. they would have to trade for a guy who can start. So then it's been a long. Week. So you think there's a possibility that that Sparks end up ends up being a guy as the backup? Not out of camp, I don't think. But it's unless I think it's conceivable during the year. I think you're right. Yeah, all you do is just put McElhaney on waivers, and that's that. And he'll probably clear. He'll and clear. You just, he's you just 34, him, and he's got one more year. Put him with year. the Marlies, and yeah. It was interesting that they gave Sparks and McElhaney both two-year deals. It's almost like you guys are our backups. Like, fight it out amongst yourselves. Like, I think that they think that whoever's the better backup gets those those starts. Well, it'll be McElhaney to start for sure. Right. But if he has a if he pulls an Enroth and his first four starts are garbage, then I, that could change real fast. Which is entirely possible. I don't like. I have never gotten the McElhaney fascination with these guys. I, I don't get it. And wh- how does he get a two-year deal? I don't know. He's thirty. Is he going to be thirty-five? Do you know his birthday? Yeah, it's in the spring. I think. How do you know that? Let's see if you're. I right. think it's in May. Curtis Mac. I'm just a sad human being. Yeah, May twenty-third. <laughs> He'll turn thirty-five in May. Okay. Yeah. No one should know that. Not no. even a Leafs reporter should know when Curtis McElhaney's birthday is. I don't think I want to. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Any other battles we how, looked how, over? How long has the podcast been so far? We need to give people their money's worth because it's been a while. 30 minutes. No, I think we got to keep going here. What do you want to talk about? There's nothing scheduled. Let's, well, let's talk about the expectations on this team. Okay. I know we're thinking about writing about it. Um, Actually, it's, by the time some people listen to this, we may have already written yeah, it. Yeah, potentially. But let's talk about it. So okay. my sense in the market is that, okay, Leafs had 95 points last year, um, made the playoffs wildcard team, um, added Patrick Marlowe, added Ron Hainsey. Young guys are going to be better because it's their second year. Logically, that kind of makes sense. Like, that's not, like, completely illogical reasoning. Um, but it almost seems like everyone just expects them to win the Atlantic be a 100-plus point team. I, it feels like the optimism goes a little bit beyond where... It should be. Like, let, let, So let's. this is before camp even starts. Like, How many points do you think this team's going to get this year if we just... Like, we're just spitballing. Between 95 and 100? Yeah, I mean, like, I was going to say, like, 98. Like, I think they're going to be a little bit better than last year, but... I the just, one thing with last year, like, so much went right. Yeah. That cannot go right. Yeah. They didn't have any injuries. I mean, that's the really big one. And people are going to say they're young and whatever. It's like, yeah, but like injuries are just bad luck. Like, Nylander could get hit in the face with a puck. Or, you know, like, you have no idea what's going to happen. So. So you were saying, like. It just feels like the. Like, I saw uh, one Leafs blogger did a poll this morning. And it was like, do you think the Leafs will make the playoffs? And, like, it was like every single person said yes. And, like. I mean, I guess that's the right answer that we think they're going to make the playoffs. But hockey in the Eastern Conference is just like a big dog pile right now, mm-hmm. and like probably the difference between the difference between missing the playoffs and making the playoffs could be like two or three points, and the difference between winning the division and being a wildcard team could be like four points. But in terms of talent, they are much more talented than a lot of teams in the East. Like, name me more talented teams. Yeah, that's fair. Like, the East isn't that good. But I think it's closer than people are talking. Like, I think people are talking about the Leafs like they're a top five team in the NHL. I mean, they could be. They could be. There's a, like, look at their team. Like, there's a, they have a lot of good forwards. And their D isn't as bad as maybe as perceived it to be. Like, I think, I'm going to write this at some point, hopefully. Their most important player is Anderson. That's what I was actually just going to say, is that Anderson could take a step back. If Anderson is... Well, and the one thing with Anderson last year, he was either really good or he was really bad. If he's, like, steady, fine. But, like, what if he's... I don't know. What if he's a bit more inconsistent and not good? At least we're fifth in the NHL in goals scored last year, second on the power play. I could see the power play taking a step back, maybe a little bit. The PK is the one that will probably... That's true. ...come down. So, yeah... PK, what were they, 10th, I think, in the league? They were top 10, yeah. I think they were top 10, 10 in both. I think they were 9th or 10th. But the PK 
the underlying numbers were really weak. So I don't know if Hainsey helps fix that. Or He's a good penalty killer. Or if they use some different forwards there that help change it. I wonder if, if Babcock's going to do, yeah, tied for ninth with Columbus in PK. And a lot of that was save percentage, which is typically, I think they were top two or top three in save percentage on the PK, which is unsustainable most of the time. So injuries, PK, I just would put them in that 98, 99 point range is where I kind of think they're going to be. That will obviously be a playoff team. But their, their talent level is better than it was last year. Yeah. So there's a reason to think that they should be better. Like, who is who is Patrick Marlowe ultimately replacing? I Komarov. Get, and, and Komarov's replacing whomever on the fourth line. I guess Kapanen from playoffs. I guess I don't... I guess what I'm saying is... It, I think it's just going to be... There's going to be challenges, I sure. think. I think that there's... Last year there were challenges. I think it was Shanahan said yesterday, we didn't make the playoffs till the second last game of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's going to be a lot more challenges. So... Or there's going to be as many challenges for them. I like. I don't think they're going to have a playoff spot clinched incredibly early. Or well, what else? I, could... I, I think Tampa's going to be better. I think Florida's going to be better. Yeah. Uh, Montreal maybe takes a step back. I don't know what they're doing with Duran at center and what they're what they have going. Ottawa probably takes a step back. Yeah. Boston will be fine. Probably the same. Buffalo's probably a little bit better, but still not a playoff team. I don't think. Yeah. Detroit's not good. Yeah. I don't know. So, like, which teams in the Atlantic are better? Tampa? I can see that. Who else? Yeah. I don't I mean, know. Like, it's close. You're right. But, but what else? There could they, be five Metro teams. What else could go wrong? So, their PK could be worse. Their goaltending could be worse. Someone could get hurt. Yeah. I guess those are the three. Someone gets hurt at center or on D, then I think they're, it causes a lot of problems. Well, we saw when Riley went out last year how much... Right. I guess they won. Even Zaitsev. Without Zaitsev, there was like all of a sudden a massive hole. They won, I think, with O'Reilly, but that was for two weeks. Um, yeah. Like I look at what they got at Marley's on D. Like if Dermot makes a team, yeah, they don't have. They, there's really not at center. They don't really have anyone that can come in. I guess you move Marlowe into there, or Neilander. I mean, we're kind of nitpicking. I mean, they, obviously, they're, they're really talented. the team is going they're in the right really direction, young. and they've made some good decisions. I think they could have made some better decisions, maybe. See, I think... Okay, we got to get back to that in a sec. Better, let me write that down. <laughs> better decisions? But, that, see, better? I've... Yeah. Well, I need to remember. I've sensed that there's, like, a cautious optimism with the fan base, that they they think that... And I can't speak for them, but, like, just as the sense I have, that they think the team should be really good... But let's not get ahead of ourselves okay. and think that... You're talking to smart fans then. Yeah. I just I see guess. the hype train coming. and Just to be clear, I like I think Austin Matthews is going to have a monster season. You know, I, I could see Kadri taking a step back. I don't... He's not going to score 30 goals. Right. He Brown, score 20. Brown, Brown shooting percentage is pretty high. He might not get 20 again. But offensively, I mean, I could see Nylander and Matthews having even bigger years than they did last year. Marner, too. Marner had like a yeah. stretch where he wasn't great. And right. I think, I think what we'll hurt. see this year is more movement in the lines, and that's not a very, that's not a very uh, well outlandish prediction because they didn't change the lines at all last year. I was going to ask you, is that unusual? Like I looked it up, and like the the combos, like Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Hyman, Matthews, Komarov, Kadri, it was like all over nine hundred five on five minutes. That's is that unusual? It's, yeah, that's. I did a story that at one point during the year how the Leafs had kept their lines together more than any team in the league. That the most common line combinations in the league, they had three of the top 18 or something like that. Like, it was it was ridiculous. And that was, like, 60 games into the season. I've never covered a team where lines are together like that. Me too. It's never happened. So but, this is there's going to be some spinning around here, and I don't know if that's going to be injuries or what it's going to be. But, but the advantage they have is they have more flexibility with what they can do. When with, you have better with, players. With the more guys they've got, yeah. Like Komarov right now on my fake depth chart. I guess it's not fake, but he's on the fourth line. He could play on any one of the other lines. It's kind of fake because the only real one's the one that Babcock's got. Correct. So, but like let's let's hit on Matthews for one second, then we have to get to better decisions because I wrote <laughs> that down. I sort of think there's still this apprehension to think that he's as good as he is. Do you sense that at all? I just feel like people talk about him a little bit like he's the 15th best player in the NHL when there are signs that he's going to be more than that real soon. How good? Like he could carry a team. 
Okay, so let me ask you this. Like, I was contemplating this myself. Would you be surprised if at the end of the year he was one of the guys being talked about for the heart? No. I wouldn't either. I don't think so. No. I mean, we need to see it happen to happen. But, like, I just... I think the reason for it... He's going to be one of the best Leafs ever. Yeah, but I think... I I really think the reason for it is the fact of where he came from and that the hype wasn't building for as long as it was with McDavid. Like, people knew about McDavid when he was, like, 13. Same with Crosby. Same with Crosby. Matthews just, like, came out of nowhere, like, a year before the draft... This guy's going to be number one, and then he I was playing overseas. It, yeah. People and, thought it was going to be like another like Nathan McKinnon, Taylor Hall, like one of those number one picks. That's like that's a good player. That's but good, but like not right. That at least we're fortunate that like there might he might not have had the hype behind him, but I think Matthews is going to be one of the better number one overall picks in the last in this era of the NHL. He certainly could be. I think even if like we're talking about those injuries and some of the softness that could be, or Anderson doesn't play that well, I think. Matthews might be able to overcome some of that. Like, the way we see McDavid overcome, you know, some of the problems the Oilers have with their roster, I think Matthews can be one of those guys that just picks up the team and... Well, that's what good players do. Like, they bring right. players up. Like, I was looking We at just the... haven't covered a player like that. They're, I mean, Kessel kind of did it sometimes, but we haven't covered a guy... Toronto hasn't had a guy. Like, Matt... Right. Like, Sundin. Sundin is is different. But he wasn't like that. Like he wasn't Sometimes like, he was. I mean, he had he had his moments. Oh, he was just like rock steady, but he wasn't right. like so, I don't know, electric? I was talking to someone about Matthews, and I still want to write about this, so I don't want to say too much, but they basically said like, something big, like, you, people are going to be like amazed with what he can do this year. That's the teaser trailer, so. Okay. And I'm buying, I'm buying the hype, so. So maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I've got him about 98, 99 points. That's what I'm going to say. But and yeah, make, maybe that is enough to win the Atlantic. And making the playoffs. I think the only team who's probably better than them is Tampa. And, and Tampa didn't make the playoffs last year and has had injury problems. For any and, number of reasons, yeah. Okay. All right, we're at, we're at, what are we at, James? 40 minutes. We didn't talk about better decisions. Oh, yes. See, <laughs> damn it. I wrote it down and I still forgot. Okay, so what are the better decisions you think they could have made? <sighs> it's it seems like they almost didn't make a decision on JVR Bozak and Komarov. Like I, but maybe that's a decision. Isn't that a decision? Is it smart they're to lose contract. all three of those guys for nothing in the summer? Who says they're going to? Which one of them would you bring back? They're well, going to lose some of them for nothing. Oh, I see what you're saying. This is their last year of their deal, right? Like asset management says. Get something for guys before. Well, and they could and still be fine. That's the point with Komarov. Like you can trade if you if you can trade Komarov for I don't know a second round pick, and move Kapanen in. You're still yeah. Contending. I don't know that I would. I probably wouldn't trade him for a second round pick. Okay, then you're you're, you're not getting him first. Yeah. So then you're not trading him. Maybe you pack. I agree him. with you. Like I think that's what you should do. Like is if you're deep internally, you can afford to move guys like that. But a second round pick isn't worth anything. So you think you're getting a first? I don't know. Maybe you trade him for like a young player from a team or something. Or I don't like, think the teams do it for a top prospect for like a. Nah, I'm I just not a don't. Top prospect. I don't know. I'm just. I know what you're saying, but like trading, it's just weird to go into the year with three pending UFAs all at forward. Like the forward lines, this next year is gonna look a lot different. But that's fine. Like yeah, no, it it is fine. It's just so like if you don't sign any of them, you just get the cap space, right? And you just move Neander to center, and you. Plug. They're going to need some of that cap space because, you know, right. Mainlander's new deal comes in. And so that's fine. And then, like, you plug in a Timoshov or a Grundstrom or whoever. All right, let's get back on better decisions. I mean, the longer I look at it, the more the Marlowe thing is kind of like a weird Babcockism. Why? Because you've given him 625 for three years when he's been declining the last couple of years. Okay, but two years don't matter that much because of what you're paying the other guys. I guess one year doesn't matter that much. Well, this year's fine. Like, they have the cap space and whatever, but... I don't. I mean, it's really going to depend on what Marlowe gives them. Like, I just wonder... Like, if Marlowe's... Gets, but, but if Marlowe gets 38 points, what was the point of doing it? But then then you're not getting him. So who are you getting? That's the, the thing. Like, if they, if they don't give him three... I'm sure they didn't want to give him three years, but if they don't give him three years, he stays in San Jose. San Jose offered him two. 
So either you get him and you make your team better while you maybe can win. Trying or to you remember don't back it. all the things that happened. Like if they could have brought in like a Marcus Johansson that Washington traded away for yeah. like not very much. Sure. Like that's a that would have been a much better fit, I think, with what the Leafs are trying to do. I agree. Younger term on contract. Good player. I just think I, I Yeah, I hear you. Thirty eight's old. Yes, it is. But as but, someone who turns thirty-seven very soon, how old's so? Yager's 46, 45? 44, I think forty-five. And all the underlying numbers are still good, right? He's not. I know Patrick Marlon's not Yager, but like, it's just like what you're saying with like Matt Martin. They could have just brought in a Winnick that's sitting out there. Like yeah, they could have done some of that with this team. And it's, I, I have a much big. Well, I don't know. It really just depends what Marlow brings to me. If it, was, okay, so if, if it was worth it or If not. at the end of the year he has 17 goals and 45 points, fine. They also cost themselves, like you're talking about, like, what else could they have done? Well, next summer they can do some things. Yeah. Like, and they're, they're going to cost themselves some opportunity in the fact that they've got 625. But him. they're also taking 425 off from Bozak. You know what I mean? Like, they're right, also. But they're adding Nylander's big number is going to come on there. Yeah. But maybe you think you can win this year and you try. Yeah, I just wonder if. Well, I mean, or we'll you see. get no one. You just don't, or you try right. to trade for someone at the right. deadline. I think I would have been okay with coming in with yeah, with no one and not going so deep into the LTIR money. And it's fair. I mean, it's 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 just going to depend what Marlowe plays like. I'm just having having like there's like more risk there involved with that than I'm comfortable. If with. If he's last year's version of Marlowe for then that's, two more that's years, okay. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I just. But if he falls off a cliff. Then it's trouble. Troubling. Anyway. Anything else? That's better decisions? Maybe we're kind of like downers here over the... We're probably like digging too deep, but... What are we supposed to do? Yeah, well, we're just we're just having a conversation about this hockey team. I think in general, Leafs fans should be really excited. You know, whatever warts are on this team are far less than... Oh! Any Leafs team I've covered. Actually, we have one more thing to talk about. Okay. The contracts. Brown and Hyman, I don't think we discussed either of them. On here. Okay. So I think we would both agree the Brown deal, good. Good job. Yeah, it was Leafs. lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to have to... I had originally heard that long-term would have made sense, but I think that it would have cost quite a bit more. than like, He got 2.1 over 3. And those are three prime years for them to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what he had to take to stay for that long. Like other, if he if he wanted a lot more money in those three years, they were probably going to lose him. Well, and you figure in twenty twenty he'll be gone. Like they just won't pay someone like him unless like he. Well, he's going to be RFA, so they still hold his rights, so they can trade him for something, or maybe he establishes himself as a really good player that's integral on the team, and they want do want to pay him, and they want to move someone else out. But this gives them the three years to find out what what Connor Brown is, how good he is. Yeah, I think he might surprise people. I think Connor Brown. He's done that his whole life. Yeah. I think he's really smart. So you watch him and he's not, he's not the, he's like, I'm trying to think. He's the sum of, he's more than the sum of his parts or something, if that makes sense. Sure. Like not the best skater, you know, like. No, but like he's sort of good at everything. Right. But not great at anything. He's one of those utility guys. He's a good penalty killer. He can score. <laughs> I had a funny conversation with Brown last year and I said, uh, I'm trying to think of like someone in the league to compare you to. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I can't help you with that. But I was like, maybe like a, I don't know, maybe like a Patrick Sharp or like like a guy that's like really well-rounded. Yeah. Guy who can play power play, penalty kill, score. Obviously smaller than Patrick Sharp, but. And Hyman. Hyman feels like a bit much. Yeah. They bought, would they buy two UFA years? Yeah. But I think with Hyman, they make the statement, this is one of our core pieces. And, he, and he's not costing you a lot. No. Two, but two two five. But for what he's giving you, I guess he's gonna give he's gonna give you twelve goals, probably thirty to thirty five points, and he's gonna be an awesome penalty killer. How many points he last enough? year? Twenty eight. Yeah, in that ballpark. I think he's I think gonna he's, score a few more goals than last year. Okay, so let's say he has ten to fifteen goals, and he gets thirty to forty points, and he's a great penalty he's killer. He's not gonna get forty points. Okay, so he'll get thirty, thirty, thirty five. PK guy. But so I'm asking, you, is all that worth locking him up for four years? I think he some of that is like intangible stuff. Like he is one of those guys that will outwork every other player, and and he does. Do all, yeah, can't he argue does. That no, he does. Like, and he's a very good person. And that's like, the thing. Like, that's like 
I forget it. I'm not going to bring it back to Martin. But it's just like, it's it's okay. Those things are important, but like there has to right. be enough talent. Well, I'm okay with overpaying it. a guy like Hyman a little bit because right. I feel like he's adding some other elements and that, you know, they want to. I think they wanted to make a statement with the four years and that this guy's staying. This guy is a piece. This guy means something to us. He's the coach's this, favorite player. Right. This Although Patrick Marlowe is going to challenge for that. <laughs> Zach Hyman, I'm sure, will be talked about a lot. Yeah. But I think that Mike Babcock sees in him what he wants everyone to try and do. He, he wants guys in the room that are just like animals that are it's, just... It's the phrase he uses all the time. Does it right. Drive train. And drive train. But like, can you imagine the first few games if Hyman misses a few opportunities to score? The fans... Reaction is just going to be like, Marlo, 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 Marlo. I guess my only counterpoint to that is that he's there in service of Nylander. And There's one puck. Right. Like he, if Babcock's not wrong, like he does go and get them the puck. He doesn't need the puck. Matthew scored 32 even-strength goals playing with Hyman all year. You know how much that is? I think it's the second highest total in the last five years in the NHL. It's like one of the it's, highest totals ever for a rookie. Yes. Even so. 32 even-strength goals in the modern NHL is unbelievable. So the line worked. Right. And it got better as the year went on. And the other thing is, like, you have the rest of your lineup. Like, if you just load up on one line, the rest of your... I think that that's what was smart about what Babcock did. And he, he, did. he sheltered a really dangerous offensive line in the Bozak line as well. Like, that's a that's a good offensive line. That basically used to be the least first line, and now it's playing third lines. And it used to be a first line that was going up against other first lines. Right. Remember that? Right. For a long time, that's what happened. And it made no sense. But, like, I remember there was a game they played against the Rangers, and I think they were down, and then the Leafs just rolled in three goals. Mm -hmm. And it was like the Rangers couldn't match. They had injuries that game. They had, I think, Stahl and Zibanejad were out. And it's like these teams, even the Rangers, who were, like, a decent team, they cannot contain a team that has Bozak, JVR, Marner on the third line. Well, and that's why, like, when you look around the East and you look at some of the other depth charts, they're just not as deep. Right. Like, Pittsburgh is not as deep. Right. Washington, like with all their losses, their third and fourth lines are not as good anymore. They're not as good anymore. Yeah. So like when you have and three Johansson, lines like that, you know, right? Anson's a good player. Like, yeah. So. Oh, well, maybe you're right. Okay. Anyway. Well, you're still gonna win the East. You're right. <laughs> all Jonas, right. Jonas said it first. I don't know when we're gonna do the next one. A couple weeks. Next week. Next week. Oh yeah. I think week. so. I think we should do it with the camp and everything going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Next week. So we'll be back. Are we supposed to do it every week now. Yeah, I think that's. I don't remember last year very much. Seems like a long time ago. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Podcast is always brought to you by Babsox. Visit babsox.ca. Visit theathletic.com. Oh, yeah. Sign up. Wrist looking like it been dipped. Dipping that, dipping that, dipping that. Thanks for tuning in to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Whole squad getting that, getting that. Please say it ain't true. I think going cop to hell. Now we can't fit in that. Wild ones. Like we fresh out the cage. Showtime, baby. Fresh off the stage. Battle my.